0: Cartier has always been gender neutral because you have Andy Warhol wearing the tank, but you also have Jackie O wearing the tank. And, you know, it's so synonymous with culture in that way that it's like the brand and the people who wear it, they're just, there's just so much synergy there. And you can't tell the story without talking about the people who wear it too. And... In that sense, it's a very kind of human-forward brand.
1: What's going on, everybody? And welcome to Collector's Gene Radio. This is all about diving into the nuances of collecting and ultimately finding out whether or not our guests have what we like to call the Collector's Gene. If you have the time, please subscribe and leave a review. It truly helps. Thanks a bunch for listening, and please enjoy today's guest on Collector's Gene Radio. Today's guest is none other than Bryn Waldner, founder of Dime Peace, a platform dedicated to all things women and watches. Now, Bryn's pretty new to the watch world, but she can be accredited for putting women and watches on the map. Dime Peace came about after a stint at Sotheby's when Bryn found herself sitting at home, falling more in love with watches each and every day, like we all do, and started documenting some photos on her new Instagram account, like one of Rihanna wearing a Patek Philippe and to say dime piece blew up overnight is quite literal. In fact, after launching, Bryn got her very own article in Vogue documenting her buying her very first Cartier. Now there's a lot of things in the works at Dime Piece, so keep your eyes out. But for now, please enjoy Bryn Walner, aka Dime Piece for Collectors Gene Radio. Bryn aka Dime Piece, welcome to Collectors Gene Radio. Hi. <laughs> I was I was waiting for your your standard uh introduction like that <laughs> salutation.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so you're largely, largely responsible for putting all things women and watches on the map. And I mean, there's, there's been a lot of people, you know, along the way, but, but you've kind of really started pushing this initiative. Can you tell me how all this really started? Because you've been in the creative space for a long time, but it didn't necessarily start in watches.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, well, right after college, I moved to Los Angeles where I knew nobody. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and I got a job at a creative marketing agency and that was really before the word influencer was used. Um, even to now before influencer, I feel like is now a slur. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, but I feel like I really laid down the groundwork just in terms of, um, Kind of understanding culture because part of my job was putting on creative events at uh, Coachella and South by Southwest and Art Basel, um, all these places um, that had nothing to do with watches and everything to do with culture and what was cool in music and on the internet, fashion, etc. Then I moved across the country to New York from LA. I grew up in Hoboken. Um, Oh, sure. So it was kind of like coming back home. And I had a couple of jobs in addition to the one that I had in LA. And, you know, a couple layoffs later because I was in the media. (laughs) I was in the media world. I then um, found a job at Sotheby's, the auction house which was totally unexpected for me because it felt so highbrow compared to the world that I was offering in previously, but I was really brought on to kind of bring a cultural alignment to the content that was on Um Because, you know, in your early twenties, you might not be able to afford the David Hockney now. <laughs> um, but
2: <laughs> but you know, maybe by
1: 21.
0: <laughs> yeah. You get some inheritance. Um, basically what, Sotheby's wanted to do with me was to kind of attract a younger audience and get them to you know start exploring on a website you know maybe they're not placing bids but they're reading the articles so that's why I was brought on to Sotheby's and I started working on kind of fun articles and then the watches department saw what I was doing and they were like hey can you create some content for us because contextualize against what is sold out the auction world, i.e. Picasso's, David Hockney's, you know, big furniture pieces, cars, watches, but by comparison, they seem shockingly more accessible (laughs) and also more available to be sold online, Um, and therefore maybe more, you know, attainable for a younger type of client. Um, And I was like, yeah, I can help you with content for watches, but... I don't know anything about watches. (laughs) And my boss was like, it's okay, because you could just commission out the writing. You just produce the articles. You go in and you choose the pictures, make it look cute, et cetera. Um, So I had to get really intimate with all these pieces on watches. And I was like furiously Googling different watch brands. And I was on YouTube how to pronounce Audemars Piguet. (laughs) Um, the only one i knew how to pronounce was rolex which is you know that's what rolex set out to do when they created rolex
1: (laughs) yeah we, we don't care if you like it we just want you to be able to say it
0: yeah exactly so i learned a lot about watches in that process and what i realized was that i loved watches and it was really organic for me i was just like I'm actually having fun doing this. What in the world is going on? Because I had never cared about them before, and I had never even owned a watch at that point. Besides, of course, a baby G. <laughs> um, gotta have
1: gotta have one.
0: You gotta have one, um, especially you know. I'm a. I feel like I'm an older millennial. I don't know how old you are. Twenty nine. Twenty nine. Oh my god, I'm older than you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, but I, I, have and, a, I have
1: a beard and an Adam's apple, so.
0: Yeah, it's giving older millennial. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I found that I love watches and I was eager to learn more. And I'd be going home on the subway and I would notice somebody wearing a watch and be like, ooh, what's he rocking? Or I would see them on TV and I would be like, oh my God, what is he wearing? And I would just start Googling. And then I also noticed that women were left out of the narrative because in all the pieces that I had edited, women uh, women weren't mentioned once. <laughs> and I was just like, "What? So odd." Because I know women are out here wearing watches. And then I would Google women and watches, and it would be like all these photos of Ellen DeGeneres. And I'd be like, uh, "Okay, cool. That's <laughs>
1: that's
0: what we're getting." <laughs>
1: yeah. um, okay, Rainbow Daytonas. All right.
0: Yeah, Nautilus cool yeah. you know that that's so beyond me it's just it's not even relevant to me at all because i'll never right. own that
1: well and it's not even that it's just like a lot of those are just out of reach in general
0: yeah totally i was trying to find ways to kind of manipulate the conversation when i was doing the editing for these articles like it would be an article on the protect nautilus and why that's historically significant why it's culturally significant and then I would do some sleuth Getty image search and be like, Rihanna. (laughs) And there's a photo of Rihanna wearing a Nautilus at the airport in her palace sweatsuit, just like looking really cool and off duty. So I would throw that in the article. Even though Rihanna wasn't mentioned in the article, I would kind of let the image speak for itself as a way to kind of manipulate it. And in doing that, I found myself really fascinated by the power of celebrity, too, in terms of like, you know, how you can start to understand watches by who wears them. And I kind of tucked that away. And I was like, women and watches, there's something there. And then some of these let me go the day that, that New York shut down for the pandemic. <laughs> Um, and I was like crying in the HR office, being like, I'm going to die of (laughs) COVID. Um, and, but then I wound up having three months of nothing to do. And I started to reprioritize and I started Dime Peace, the Instagram account. Um, and that's a really long answer to your question.
1: That's perfect. And so when you started Dime Peace, I mean, the goal I feel like has always been to inspire women to feel at home when it comes to collecting and and sharing their watches within the watch community. Is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah. And it was for those women who already have watches and kind of knew about them, but it was also for women like me that knew absolutely nothing about them and kind of an entry point into this world that's really fascinating for a lot of different reasons.
1: And then fast forward, like, I feel like, a day and your Instagram <laughs> blows up <laughs> and you're featured in publications like Harper's Bazaar and New York times and Vogue and courier. I mean, the list goes on. I mean, Vogue documented your first Cartier purchase, which is pretty insane. I mean, <laughs> how, how has watch collecting been since all of this?
0: Um, I mean, that in itself was crazy. The, build, the, the overnight success, I was just like, no. It really was overnight. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, you know, I credit Cara Barrett uh, from Hodinki, formerly of Hodinki. Um, she found Dime keys somehow. Um, you know, the internet works in mysterious ways. And she found Dime keys, and she reposted, because I think she was doing the social media for Hodinki at the time. She reposted one of my posts on their Instagram. And then overnight I got... Uh, I think 500 new followers. Um, That's a lot. Yeah. And all of a sudden, all these watch people started following me. And I was like, oh, no, (laughs) (laughs) I am not ready for this because I really didn't know much about them at the time. And people were like, what's your collection? Show us your wrist shop, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, I don't own a watch. <laughs>
1: like,
0: <laughs> I'm like, should I just straight up lie and be like, Oh yeah, I have watches, I just don't like to show them or <laughs> I mean I just, even yeah.
1: even bigger flex, you just go and tell Vogue you want an article on yourself buying a Cartier and <laughs>
0: Well, what's great about that is I didn't even have to ask for it. That's um, the best and part. Not, not, everybody's like, who's your publicist? And I'm like, no one. People <laughs> want to cover this. Yeah, honey, my dog. Oh, she's sleeping right now. Um, yeah, I went to uh, the Cartier store with my friend Liana, who used to write at Vogue. And yeah, she chronicled my Cartier shopping experience. And I got the Cartier tank from CIS, the steel version. Uh, the smallest version, you know, it's not like a collectible by any means. It's but it's really, a classic. Yeah, it's a classic. Did you see the relaunch?
1: I did. What do you think of it?
0: You know, I I really need to see it in person, I've decided, before I pass any sort of judgment.
1: That's when you know you are you don't love it.
0: <laughs> oh, well, I don't because, you know, I have such an emotional attachment to this watch because it was my first one. And I bought it for a reason. Um, I love the the classic black Roman numerals, I love the, you know, external crown, like the cabochon. <laughs> And I was just like, why is it like kind of shrunken? Everything's kind of
1: It's a little squattier.
0: Yeah. I was like, it's been chodified. Oh my god, I say this. <laughs> anyway. Um Can you can you yeah. say
1: that in Vogue? <laughs>
0: I know. Well, you know, you'd be surprised at the journalistic standards uh, yeah. these days. I'm reading an articles. and I'm just like, wow, they'll publish anything. Not just Vogue, everybody, but <laughs> better for me.
1: Yeah, I don't love it. I mean, to me, the thing that makes Cartier who they are is they've kept pretty much the same dial design language and and rarely changed it um, for years. And they just changed case shapes and a couple little updates. But yeah, I wasn't totally sold on the new on the new model, so we'll uh, we'll wait to hear from an article from from you, the expert.
0: Yeah, let's see it in person. <laughs> let's see how that little, that somber style shines.
1: <laughs> so now you're getting invited on press trips with brands like Audemars Piguet, and word on the street is they treat you pretty darn nicely when you go to one of these. Can you can you take us into the world of Dime Piece getting invited on an Audemars Piguet press trip? <laughs>
0: wow. I've been in touch with AP, you know, kind of since the beginning and shout out to them. I feel like they're a brand that's particularly um, in tune with what's going on, you know, kind of, I don't want to say like in the streets, because this is not not (laughs) that. (laughs) We (laughs) are not in the projects. (laughs) We're just like, not like, it's not like full underground culture, like obviously for me to kind of Opt into the conversation about watches. Like, I have to be a little mainstream and it's like luxury. And it's just this world that's, you know, it's covered in fashion magazines. And I'm kind of playing off of that. Um, so they've been in touch with me for a while. And I remember when they first reached out and I was just like, oh my God, I cannot even believe they're emailing me. Um, and I would go in to see their watches and try them on in person and, you know, go to AP House. But never in a million years did I think that they would invite me to go to Switzerland. (laughs) Um, And when they emailed me, I was just like, "Oh my God, this isn't real." (laughs) Um, But they, yeah, they hit me up, and it was this past September that they flew me out to Geneva, and then we took a car up through the through the valley, through the mountains, and um, (laughs) I stayed at the Hotel des (laughs) Olégies. Totally botching the French, Um, but it's, I'm sure you've seen the AP hotel that they have in Le Yeah, it's just stunning. And we went to the museum and then they took us to uh, their manufacturer that specializes in complications. And I was able to meet Julio Coppi. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. For those listeners out there who don't know, he's a horological legend and he, really pioneered watch complications kind of in the era that they were going out of style, um, i.e. the quartz prices. But he just kind of doubled down on it um, with his partner, Renaud. I forget his first name. But yeah, I, I got to meet with him. I got to stay at this hotel. I got to explore the valley and eat just gorgeous food that they got from part of it is from the premises because they grow vegetables and fruits on their roof. Like it's, just really <laughs> modern kind of, they have their own little ecosystem over there.
1: AP um, a full fledged farm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> the AP farm. Yeah. The best butter I've had in my life. Cause you hear the cowbells too. When I went in, um, when I went in the fall, it was when the cows had just come down from the mountains and they had their cowbells on and they hadn't been stored away for the winter. So I was like <laughs> looking at the cows that were providing me the butter and it was just like so Swiss
1: and gorgeous. Oh, it's the best. I know. <laughs> have, have your taste changed in what you wanted to own or what you thought you wanted to own in terms of watches from when you first started Dime Piece and then until now?
0: Um, yeah, well, I would say they've cha- my taste has changed in the sense that I've even developed a taste at all. Um, <laughs> because before I got into watches, I didn't even know what my taste was, which is part of the reason why I started Dying piece was my, a, a research project for myself because May 2020 was my 30th birthday. Um, obviously, everybody was in quarantine. and But 30 years, you know, a big one. Um, my dad was like, Hey, what do you want for your birthday? And I was like, honestly, a watch would be amazing. And he was like, well, you know, we'll see. <laughs> he was <laughs> like, but you know, what watch would you want? And I was like, honestly, I have no idea. I have no reference point for what would look good with my style, kind of my like day to day looks. Like, I just don't know. I feel like I'm just scrambling thinking about it. Um, so I started dying piece just chronicling all these women wearing watches. And the more I looked at different people wearing different watches, that's when I started to, in my mind, associate certain watches with different personalities, with different styles. Um, You know, like you have Bella Hadid and the Cartier Panther. I'm like, okay, that's, that's kind of her vibe because she's really, you know, she kind of has this like Gen Z fashion. And right. that's a really kind of, jewelry forward stackable you can wear it loose you can wear it with your little crop tops <laughs> and i'm like you know that's an awesome watch and i call it the eight girl watch but i'm like that's not me because i'm just a little bit older i want something a little bit more classic not that the panther isn't classic and of course i would love that watch but i couldn't get a ten thousand dollar <laughs> yellow gold 38 <Cartier laughs> panther which if you're gonna get the panther you've got to get the yellow gold that's if you like, can
1: if you can swing it do it
0: yeah, go big or go home. Um, so it really took a long time for me to even build up the taste to where I was able to be in the position to make the call on the Cartier Tank It's like that was like a year-long process for me. <laughs> um, yeah, so – and now, I mean, I'm obviously shouting to the rooftops that I love small watches. So I would say that that is definitely a point of view that I have. But I also – don't I would also I would wear a daytona if you gave it to me
1: I mean Um, yeah
0: (laughs) like so in that sense just learning I don't know I I need to a lot of the things like if I were to go out of my comfort zone it would have to be like a really great watch to get me to go against my small watch um manifesto
1: right yeah I mean you've you've been able to kind of touch and feel a lot of different watches in the last, I would say, couple of years that you've at least got to see in person, a lot of new releases, a lot of stuff that maybe boutiques or ADs. Is there one brand that is not amongst the the general ones that maybe stood out to you?
0: Yeah. Well, first of all, did you, I'm like triggered by you saying touch and feel. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that that's what they call it? Watches and wonders. Have you gone to watches and wonders? I haven't. No that's what they call the sessions when you go to the different brands and it's like a, t- a touch and feel session. And a neck massage. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, it's kind of creepy. Yeah. <laughs> um No, but I, I have, I've had the luxury of touching and feeling so many different <laughs> watches. And You know what? I will say I love touching and feeling (laughs) the high high jewelry watches.
1: Yeah. I mean, those are incredible.
0: Yeah. Like what going to Bulgari and touching and feeling their high jewelry um, Serpenti, which is just like so many emeralds. And it's like a snake. And the snake's mouth opens to this tiny little watch. And inside the watch, they have what is called The piccolo movement. (laughs) It's like one of the tiniest little movements in the world and this tiny little snake head and it's just covered in diamonds and emeralds. And I'm just like, I would never ever be able to afford this, but I'm just so excited that I can even try it on and take a photo of it.
1: Yeah, that's one of those pieces, especially anything from Bulgari, but those super, super high-end expensive unobtainium watches and jewelry pieces from them to just see them in person is a whole different ballgame
0: yeah and to see jewels like that in person because you see them in photos or you know in the Hodinkee article or whatever and the photos just never ever do it justice because you don't see the way that the jewels play with the light and you know it's just it's so it's always so much better in person and that's you know that's for all of these watches and that's why I'm like you know, I have to see the Cartier saint in person because you just can't judge it by the photo completely.
1: Right. So you also have a website and mm-hmm. people can now shop watches while reading your articles. Um, and that's in collaboration with Foundwell, right? Yeah. So how did you and Alan come together on that?
0: Um, so I had a friend that I knew who worked at Sotheby's in the watches department. And when I started Dying Peace... Um, He was like, hey, I think you should meet my friend Alan, Alan Bedwell, who does Fountainball. And I was like, cool, because I was in the mindset. I was just like, I'm so new to the watch world and I want to meet as many people as possible from all the from the brands, dealers, you know, collectors, everybody. I was just like, I'll meet with anybody because I'm really just trying to learn and soak this world up. So I met with Alan and he brought with him a little leather pouch full of like 10 ladies' watches. <laughs> He's like, I just want, I was so excited because <laughs> I know you're in the small watches and you're into the, you know, these little guys. And I, I just want you to try them on because, you know, usually I'm dealing or I'm selling to guys who kind of want the, you know, the, the no date two-line submariner or, right. you know. <laughs> you know, just kind of the more masculine watches. He's like, nobody's really cared about these kinds of watches, and I feel like you you do. And so he was like, try on all the watches. And that was the first time I had tried on the Cartier Benoit. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is so exciting because this is the first time anybody showed me watches that are this small and vintage and he's telling me all about each one and it just kind of opened my eyes to this whole other world and from there i was just like let's see what we could do with this and both of us were at the couture show in las vegas and he was like why don't you just kind of follow me on the floor while i talk to all these dealers and you go try stuff on and you know tell me what you like and just kind of shadow me and cuz he was buying for his shop and so I kind of got to get a firsthand experience of what it was like to just kind of source watches um, and who you're talking to and like being on the floor of a trade show. Like it's just, I don't, have you been to any of these trade shows?
1: I have not. I was going to go to uh, Miami a couple weekends ago, but I didn't plan it well enough in advance.
0: Let's go next year. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's the one that that's on my list for sure.
0: Yeah, I would love to go to that. Yeah. So I kind of just, I was so fascinated by this world. And I was also noticing simultaneously that it was always kind of the same sorts of watches that were being marketed to people to buy just in the vintage category. And I'm like, what about the Cartier-Tank concept? Like that's not a collectible, like I mentioned before. It's not crazy rare. It doesn't have this special dial that's from this era. It's just like a fully standard steel watch. And if I were, you know, me, before I went to Cartier and I was like, you know what, instead of going to Cartier, I want to buy a pre-own because it's, you know, more affordable. Like, where would I go? You know, just as a woman who doesn't know about this world and who's kind of more into fashion, I think, you know, maybe I would go to the real, real and and buy it there or any other luxury consignment that's been kind of marketed to me. And I was like, who's really selling women watches with care because you could buy it from the real real and i've done work with the real real before and i buy clothes on the real real all the time but i feel like watches is such a specific category that requires so much information and you really want the kind of personal experience of going back and forth with the person who's selling it and you want to try it on first and all of these things it's just so much more high maintenance and it's not like a casual thing for people to drop like five thousand dollars and up on a, on a watch like add to cart um so i was like why don't we sell some watches and we did and what you see online is just kind of a sliver of it because i'm also with him doing a lot of private sale where people will come to me they're like hey you know i i heard that you're selling watches do you think you could find party santos for me and I'll kind of go back and forth and provide them with all this information and meet with them and here you can try it on let me know what you think like let me know if you have any questions and it's kind of this really kind of personal personalized experience that we've seen a lot of success with and it's just really cool to get more people into watches in that way
1: yeah you've been listing some great stuff it's kind of been fun to to see what you you guys stumble upon yeah And so when you first started Dime Piece, it was a lot of women and watches posts, and it's kind of evolved a little bit as well into additional posts of just small, fun watches being worn by everyone. Watches now that would probably be considered ladies' watches, but maybe back then were unisex watches. Where do you kind of see Dime Piece evolving from here?
0: Um, Yeah, I really want to build up Dime Piece, uh, the website in addition to continuing the growth on social media, like I have such an amazing community on Instagram. I also just want to keep building up the website with more content, more articles, you know, videos. I'm like, oh God, am I going to be a vlogger? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know. I just want to create it to be more of a destination because the, the most feedback I get from people is like, hey, I want to learn more about XYZ. And There's only so much you can kind of teach people on Instagram. Whereas if you have like the luxury of longer form articles and, you know, maybe like a YouTube video that really goes into detail the difference between, let's say, a quartz and a mechanical watch, but in a way that's a little bit more fun and less nerdy and, you know, throwing in some pop culture references to kind of, offset <laughs> the technical nature of it I just want to go back to the original mission statement of John Peace which is to make women smarter consumers of watches and you know not just women at this point because I have so many of my guy friends who are like oh my god I'm obsessed with watches now I never even was into them before because there's a whole there's a whole segment of dudes out there who don't like watches in the kind of technical way but who are into it because it goes well with their fits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so it's like I'm talking to those guys too. And that's where I love to share photos of people like Bad Bunny or Tyler the Creator or, you know, whoever is wearing watches with just like a little bit more personality or perspective than, than what we're used to seeing.
1: Who are some great women collectors out there right now that people should be paying attention to? And this could be friends of yours or celebrities.
0: Yeah. Well, my friend Malika Crawford, I have started a podcast with her. It's called Killing Time. It's <laughs> a little wonderful. self-promo. Everyone should <laughs> listen, listen
1: to it. I do.
0: <laughs> wow. Thank you. Um, I'm like, who listens to this? <laughs> um, like, I can go on the back end and see that people are listening, but I'm like, seriously, who's listening to this besides my mom? <laughs> um Malika, she works at, in addition to being my podcast co-host. She's also the style editor at Hodinkee. Um, and I've also gotten to see her watch collection grow. Like since I've met her, she went from, you know, owning the Rolex Lady Datejust that uh, she got from her mom and her grandmother gave her a Cartier back in the day. But, you know, since she's really dived into watch watch world she's gotten a mad one
2: <laughs> and
0: that. she got a Rolex explorer and she got a reverso oh, so she's it's going, really cool she's to, going crazy i know while we were just talking about this she's like she's like you're so frugal with yourself and you never like i'm i'm like i really want a royal oak and she's like, well, you're selling one with Alan. <laughs> like, you can get it for a good price. And I'm like, oh, I just, I can't, I can't spend that much money, even if I have <laughs> it. I'm just so not used to spending money like that.
1: Very disciplined.
0: Yeah. And I'm not saying that she's out here just like breaking the bank, but I feel like she's, it's it's just exciting to see her collection grow. And she's really intentional about it. And you know, so many people are always like, how's your collection? You know, are you just like buying up watches now? And I'm like, I can't do that physically. <laughs> I'm sure someday I'll get to that point. Um, But yeah, I love I love Malika's watches and it's been really cool to see her grow her collection just firsthand. And of course, there's people like Rihanna who- Absolutely. She wears a Cartier Santos that actually Alan sold to her. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's an automatic one and it's vintage and it has diamond screws and diamond markers. So it's kind of like you can expect that when Rihanna is wearing a watch, it's not just going to be the regular version of it. Like it's going to have a little bit more spice. For sure. Um, And she also, you know, I think almost exactly a year ago, she appeared in the tabloids wearing a Rolex King Midas.
1: Yeah, that, that went viral real fast.
0: yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I wrote an article for Hodinkee about it. And I feel like whenever I write an article, I provide the headline and it's always really tame where I'm like, Rihanna's King Midas. <laughs> and then they'll come up with something that's like a little bit more clickbaity. And this is for all, you know, media outlets, but it's like, Rihanna's Rolex broke the internet. Yeah. (laughs) Rihanna wearing watch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm just like, uh, yeah. Um, How does that go
1: down? Does she just like reach out to Alan and say, hey, I want to buy this or does she have a, a team of buyers?
0: Yeah, she has a team. So I think it wasn't her main stylist, but I think with a celebrity like Rihanna where it's just like the the level of celebrity is so massive that you just have a lot of people who are like always on the ground um right. searching for things.
1: Because there's like a vintage store down the street from me here in, in Scottsdale, Arizona, and Rihanna's constantly buying stuff from them. No way. So when you said that she bought that watch from Alan, I'm like, is she just like scouring the internet in her free time mm-hmm. buying this stuff? But I figured she had some sort of stylist buying all the stuff yeah. for her. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, you know, that's the funny thing about celebrity. You just don't know how or why they're wearing the watches because there's there's such a mechanism behind the whole celebrity uh, persona and what you're wearing. Like everything is clearly heavily meditated upon, or maybe it's not. Um, and when I saw Bad Bunny, for example, at the Lakers game, of course, I wasn't at the Lakers game. I just saw him because I was on the internet, you know, trolling Getty, <laughs> Getty, like a loser.
2: Right. <laughs> um,
0: but I'm seeing him and I'm like, okay, this is him surfacing in these photos with a second Patek Philippe that's vintage. And it's, you know, this one has diamonds and sapphires on it. And the other one was a lady's ellipse, which he was shot in gq with and that was his own watch so i see these celebrities and i'm just like okay but are they picking it out and then i did all this research on bad bunny's stylist i'm like well what's his deal and he's really really into the 90s and he cites kurt cobain and dennis rodman and he loves you know gender neutral dressing he put bad bunny in a kilt just kind of pushing the boundary and i'm like well it's kind of in line with you know, this watch, because this watch is gender neutral, or it used it used to be. And the jewels, and it's from the 90s, which is an era that the stylists really like. So I'm like, maybe it's just like, uh, I don't know. And I wish part of Dime Piece also, I'm like, I want to actually talk to the celebrities and really get to the bottom of it. Because I feel like I'm covering celebrities all the time. but I'm like, do they even care? Like, do they even know what's on their wrist?
1: Right. Yeah, you don't know if it's stuff that they're seeking out or if it's just their stylist saying, "Hey, this is important. You should wear this." Exactly. Would you say a brand like like Cartier kind of encapsulates everything? Dime piece stands for, you know, watches that are luxurious, and I guess if if given the chance, they could really be worn by everybody.
0: Yeah. I, well, I will say that you know, rewind back to me at Sotheby's when I was learning about all the watch brands essentially for the first time. Like, I had never heard of Odomar Piguet, to be completely transparent, which is probably giving away, you know, a lot. Um, right. But I had heard of Cartier, and when I was doing my own independent research on Cartier, I was like, oh, Cartier has always been gender neutral because you have Andy Warhol wearing the tank, but you also have Jackie O wearing the tank. And, you know, it's so synonymous with culture in that way that it's like the brand and the people who wear it they're just it, there's just so much synergy there and you can't tell the story without talking about the people who wear it too and in that sense it's a very kind of human forward brand where it's not only about the watch it's about like the cultural context of it it's about who's wearing it and i think that's what cartier kind of really understood from the very onset like in the early 1900s with like louis cartier and even before that when it was not watches it was more jewels it was like let's get these jewels on like the royals and people who are influential and in, from that time
1: right it's always like there, there's something for everybody whether it's a gift or you know like i i had paul Fee gone a few weeks ago oh, cool and for those who don't know paul did like every episode of the office he did bridesmaids he did a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. and for his 60th birthday i think it was waco and a bunch of guys gifted him a cartier tank and i was like
0: ah.
1: that's just kind of like the, the coolest thing in the world to think about
0: that's amazing wow what a good guest yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was oh. i was i was a little i was a little uh taken back when i got that email back from from him that he was excited to come on so that was cool but
0: that's so cool Yeah, I mean, God, the fact that he would wear that and I would wear that same watch. Like if you Google Paul Fig, like he doesn't look anything like me. He doesn't dress anything like me. And yet there's this kind of like through line. Um, And I think it's just this powerful design language. And you also alluded to it where it's like all sorts of people can wear it, not just because of the design, but also I think the price has a lot to do with it. Yeah, for sure. You can get a Cartier crash or you can get the $10,000 Cartier Panther, but you could also get the $3,500 Cartier Tank Francaise, which is not, not a lot of money, but it's also in the context of the watch world, like pretty affordable for a new watch. So yeah, I just think it has this kind of universal appeal, but it's still chic and it still has that air of exclusivity. Um, And it's a, it's a human brand, um, which I love.
1: Is the Baimwa your favorite?
0: I think it's my favorite currently. I I feel like it always changes.
1: <laughs> you were double wristing it when I met you at a uh, Matt's party in the city a few weeks ago, and I was like, "All right, all right."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know that was so. I was because I had just met with Alan. He might have even been there. I don't know if he was. I'm like oh, everything is such a blur in the city. Like what yeah. party you went to, and I'm sober. So I'm like, God, everything's a blur now. Like imagine if I were you. You have no
1: the-. no excuse to not remember. <laughs> I
0: know that's. I'm just like ooh, <laughs> um, yeah. I was double wristing, which was pretty funny. Um, Quite the flex. Kind of a douchey move, but
1: no, not like, when yeah. it's like not when it's a, <laughs> not when you have a Cartier on.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, it's allow practically
1: it. it's practically the size of a love bracelet.
0: Yeah, it's small. It's like jewelry.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm wearing mine today. I I love this watch. It's like I don't think people give it enough again enough of a chance to actually put it on their wrist. They just look at the size, you know, on paper, and they're like, oh, it's too small for me. But that, that's kind of the point.
0: Yeah. Well, I love that you wear it. I mean, you're you're a proper Benoit boy.
1: I I'm part of the very 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 exclusive club. Yeah. Elite. <laughs> elite. <laughs> and and when, when I say elite, it's because no one else wants to buy it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that's going to change.
1: Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I get a lot of DMS now from people wanting to buy one and asking questions about them. And there's a dealer in the UK who has been kind of selling a lot of them. Uh, Alex Stevens vintage.
0: Oh yeah. Um, I love him.
1: Yeah. Super nice guy. And he's been Selling a bunch of them, so there's either a market over there, or I don't know. But you have a great white gold one on your website that I insist everybody goes and takes a look at, and I'll for sure link it up. But
0: oh, yeah, I'm like, why won't anybody buy this? But I met with somebody in person because she was like, Hey, you know, I'm interested in that watch, and along with a few others, can we meet up? And I was like, Sure. And she showed up with her mom, who was this really like kind of no bullshit Upper East Side lady. And she was just like,
1: she <laughs> looked at it. In a mink in the watch. summer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she, look, she looked at it and she was like, what? That thing's $7,000? Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, like, well, it's, it's like gold. It's yeah. Got <laughs> <that slider. laughs> yeah. I'm like, this isn't, you know, you don't really see this often. But I think because it is so small, I don't know. It's just like, Mentally, if you're not so dialed into this world, you're just like, why would I pay that much for that little dinky thing?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but that's the problem with a lot of people in in collecting. It's like, okay, are you buying because you like the watch, are you buying because you like the price? And obviously there's gotta be uh, you know, an equilibrium where the two make the buyer and the seller both happy. But if it's something that you really want and you can understand the value in it, look, if you just want a, a a cartier and you don't care what it is go buy one for 1500 bucks yeah but exactly. you're asking about a very specific watch you should understand what you're buying
0: <laughs> yeah which is why i'm trying to this is why i'm doing it in the first place
1: yeah psa don't bring your upper east side mother to a watch deal
0: she's not gonna be she's not gonna be happy <laughs> I need somebody to just like be the angel on my shoulder and be like, what the hell are you doing (laughs) (laughs) with everything in life?
1: (laughs) So honey's your little pup. And if you could see honey in one watch, what would it be?
0: (gasps) absurd question. Um, Honey, you know, Honey, I think would wear a Casio watch. All right. (laughs) One of those little like the black plastic one. She's she's really low key.
1: Calculator? No calculator.
0: No calculator. Just standard. She's just like, she's kind of a tomboy. She's just not materialistic because she's just out here, you know, sniffing around. (laughs)
1: she needs something that can get beat up if she falls off a skateboard or
0: yeah exactly she's really scrappy um and yeah so she needs something that's just like you know no flex (laughs) i love that
1: (laughs) love it if um if you could have a celebrity spokesperson for dime piece who would you pick for the gig
0: Oh, God, you know, I feel like at this point, it sounds like passe to say, but I do still love Car- uh, Tyler, the creator. Yeah. I almost called him Cartier, the creator.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much.
0: Um, yeah, no, I, at this point, you know, he's been covered by everybody. And he did that big feature in the Rob report, which I thought was great. Um, yeah, that was great. I, I s- love that. Yeah, I still really look up to him. Um Just in terms of his style, but also his collecting style. And that's, that is an example of a celebrity where I'm like, yeah, I know he's out here on the internet looking at it. And maybe he's not the one who's going to the store or kind of dealing with the dealer, but maybe he is. It's like he is curating this and everything that he wears is, you know, very intentional and it goes with his specific point of view. And I love that he wears Cartier's from the 30s. And I love that he wears his Cartier crash on stage while he's, like, sweating. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, like,
1: it, gives, it gives me hives thinking about that.
0: I know! I'm just like, oh, my God, how punk is that? Like, he doesn't care. Like, there are kids moshing in front of him, and he's wearing this Cartier crash on stage. And it's just like, wow, that is so sick. Yeah. Um, and. Yeah. I just love how he approaches it and how he wears them too, because he, he wears these watches. Um, you know, there's like a whole side of collecting where it's people collect them and they put them away in their safes, but he's, he's out here wearing them.
1: Yeah. It's, it's pretty awesome. I mean, I don't know. I kind of feel like he is someone who's going online and making purchases himself and whether he has someone else's credit card with someone else's name on it, you know, so it's not being tracked, but I mean, he, There's that picture of him at the Monaco auction, which is
0: pretty cool
1: to see him in person, you know, attending an auction.
0: That's the Goldberger picture? Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's a classic.
0: Uh, I was like, oh,
1: I I wish I were there.
0: (laughs) I actually saw Tyler, the creator, on the street in the neighborhood known as Dime Square to the New York people. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I saw him and I walked right past him and... We kinda of like made eye contact and I'm like, Wow, you really blew it. You should have been like, Hey, got the crash on. <laughs> I like, Why didn't I say anything? Because maybe he would have been cool with me taking a photo. But I'm like, you know what? We'll we'll be united. Um
1: You will. You will for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Bryn, let's finish here up here with the collector's gene rundown, all right?
0: Okay. All
1: right, what's the one that got away?
0: Um You know, I've been trying to get a a Tag Heuer Formula One, um, the vintage one from the 90s. And these are not uh, expensive. Uh, It was like $400 on Poshmark. (laughs) And I was like, should I get it? I've never bought a wash on Poshmark. Seems kind of weird and random. But I waited a little too long and I placed a bid on it. Did you know you could place bids on Poshmark? i had no idea <laughs> yeah i kind of under sold it i was like she's selling it for 400 maybe i could get it for 300 and as soon as i placed the bid um i got an email and it was like this watch has sold and i was like damn it <laughs> oh, the worst um, feeling yeah so that one got away but i'm on the look look out for, for one
1: yeah i'm sure another one will pop up how about the on deck circle so what's maybe next and up and coming for you and collecting
0: Um, You mean with regards to watches? Yeah. Uh, Well, you know, I feel like I have to get a Royal Oak. Like, I just feel like that's a (laughs) non-negotiable.
1: Would you go like the 28 millimeter? Would you go 31,
0: 33? Well, Alan and I are selling one that is 25 millimeters. (laughs) love it. And it's so tiny. The one we're selling also, it doesn't have the tapestry dial. It's a smooth dial, which I really like. Sometimes I see the tapestry down. And I'm like, it's kind of like techie. It's too techie for me. So I think it's gotta be that one. But I don't know if I'll have the uh, the chutzpah to really uh, <laughs> to drop like whatever nine thousand dollars or however much we're selling it for. Yeah,
1: those are, those are great. I I had a reference forty one hundred in mm-hmm. yellow gold. So that's like the thirty five millimeter
2: Ooh. with
1: the gray dial. And I absolutely loved it. It's like paper thin, automatic movement, the whole nine, but I ended up selling it. Um, and I, I, I sound like, you know, parents who are, you know, in their late sixties, as all their kids have moved out, I downsized.
2: Uh-huh. And <laughs> I,
1: <laughs> I went with the reference 15,000, uh, which is like a 33 millimeter version. Okay. And I got it in steel and I don't know why, but I, Absolutely love it. I love it significantly more. It's just easier to wear all the time. I feel like the bracelets were constructed a little bit better on mm-hmm. on the fifteen thousand than the. It had a you know better clasp and all that sort of stuff. But royal oaks are great in any size for anybody. Add two to three millimeters for all royal oaks. Don't look at the don't look at the writing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: How about the unobtainable? So maybe one you can't have because it's just too expensive in a museum or a private collection.
0: Yeah, I feel like if you had asked me this like six months ago, I would have said the crash, the Cartier crash. But I'm just like, oh God, it's just, oh God. it's Everybody's <laughs> talking about it. I, can, I need to find a new one. <laughs> um, so, you know, I feel like I'm still kind of trying to figure out what that one is. And I do feel like I would love this like a crazy high jewelry watch that I couldn't even wear to anything unless I got invited to the Met Gala or something. Right. I don't know. I'm trying to find that next one. Like the next, what's the next crash? You know, these are the questions that I ask myself. Very important questions.
1: Easy. $7,800 (laughs) BAMWAS.
0: True. (laughs) White gold.
1: Yeah. Backwinder.
0: Yes. (laughs) No, no crown on the side. You got to use a pin.
1: Yep. (laughs) How about the page one rewrite? So if you could collect anything besides watches, what would it be and why?
0: Um, I think I would collect houses. <laughs> <Real> <laughs> That's estate. a T-Swift move. Yes. I mean, honestly, I'm so jealous of the uh, baby boomer generation for the uh, relatively affordable prices of real yeah. estate because I'm just like, God, it's just passive income at this I point know. to people who own all these places or... And it's, oh, it's just, when I think of getting a house, I'm just like, am I ever going to be able to own a house? Like, it's just insane right now. Um, But yeah, if I could do things, if I had it my way, if I could collect something, it would be real estate.
1: Love it. That's a first, I think. Really? Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking big. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Yeah. How
1: about the goat? So besides honey, who do you look up to in the collecting world? (laughs)
0: Well, I feel like, you know, I already answered this question because I just can't shut up about Tyler, the creator. Um, but <laughs> I think you have him... have to meet him. I know, I have to. He's, yeah, he's the goat. I feel like he's just doing it differently. He's setting a tone for a whole uh, new generation of collectors.
1: Yeah, I mean, between watches and all of his cars and all the pastel colors, it's just... Oh, my God. He's just kind of created his own little world of collecting. Re- reminds me a lot of Pharrell and the way you know, Pharrell's collected stuff over the years, just his own style, his own taste, doesn't give a crap about what anyone else has. And
0: Absolutely. God, love it. just doing it for yourself. Like, this is a virtue.
1: There you go. The hunt or the ownership?
0: Mm, wow. Okay. That's kind of giving like dating. It's like, what's better, the chase or actually like, being <laughs> with the person? <laughs> um. And I feel like I'm not even that big of a collector, so it's hard for me to even say. But I I will say that I love love existing in kind of a fantasy world where I'm, like, trying to, you know, imagine getting these things and how fun it is to even determine what I want next and, like, how would I even go about doing that? Um, Like, I don't know. I think I really – I like the chase. (laughs)
1: <laughs> love it the hunt <laughs> most importantly do you feel that you were born with the collector's gene
0: you know my dad collects owls <laughs> oh. he, he collects owl figurines not the actual animal that would be amazing um like
1: the ones people like in arizona here where i live people put fake owls like on their roofs and you know in their backyards to scare away other things. Um, uh-huh. is that, are those the type of owls that he's collecting or is he collecting no. more like,
0: um, well he, I know the owls you're talking about. He lives in Hoboken where I grew up. So it's kind of an urban, you know, setting. Yeah. He doesn't have like a big house that, with like things that need to protect, be protected by the fake owls. Um, okay. <laughs> but he has, he has these little owl figurines that he's have just collected them over the years. And like, every year for his birthday, I know to get him a new owl. (laughs) I love it. And I kind of observed him like early on, you know, like I always just remember him having these little owls. And I look at the way that I have things and I I don't think I have the collector's gene. Um, Like I'm never just going for, you know, one category of things that I'm just like amassing a collection of them. I'm kind of picking things just like, as they come and if I feel like an emotional attachment um so yeah I I don't think I have it and I think with watches too I just I love them and I love wearing them and but I'm not I don't I wouldn't call myself a proper collector yet and I don't even know if I identify with that term so we'll see
1: all right until until next time yes (laughs) (laughs) Bryn, thank you so much uh congrats to you on everything that, that you've done with Dime Peace and looking forward to uh, seeing what goes on in the future.
0: Thank you. Come to New York again.
1: I definitely will. The next, uh, next event, I will be there. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Chat soon. Ciao. All right. That does it for this episode. Thank you all for listening to Collectors Gene Radio.